Welcome to the Strictly Free Game Podcast. I am your host, Sean Walla, also known as Sean, your realtor, whatever you want to call me, just make sure you call me. I'm here. We're in the city. Yo, B, we're in the city. We're in the city. Welcome. Fifth Ave. <laughs> Fifth Ave. You know we only travel to Fifth Ave, but it's big business. It's big business today. I have Miss Cynthia Peacock. Hi. Thank commercial you. broker extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, introduce yourself, please. Uh, hi, Cynthia hi. Peacock, um, commercial real estate specialist here in Manhattan. Um, I, I've i lived in New York for nearly 20 years now. Okay. And since that time, I would say I got in the business about a year and a half, two years into moving here. So now this is my, in total, 19 years in mm. real estate, but actively, I, I took a, a break. So I was in the business for five years, took a break, and then I've been in business again the last five years full time. So, um, but in between, still did a little real estate hustle, okay. but. Um, so you never let the game go completely, right? No. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. You know, people pull you into real estate. When they know you're doing real estate, they're mm -hmm. like, so help me out. Like, what's up? Like, Put me on. That's a fact. But commercial, commercial is my passion. Like working with businesses is my passion. So okay. like my thing is, one thing people will learn about me is anything when it comes to entrepreneurship, small businesses, that's me. Okay. Um, and so that just, it just made sense. It made sense to be in the world of commercial. There you go. So you're telling me commercial is not dead? <sighs> no. No, That's I, saying. Is it I have things off market that have multiple offers. Mm. It all depends on what you're looking at. So like uh -huh. if you're talking about office space, even that's not dead, like depending on the asset. So like Hudson Yards, mm -hmm. it's a new development, obviously last five years. A lot of their office spaces is completely let out, yeah. leased out. Why? Because they have premium product, they have good amenities, convenience, and they have other big businesses. So mm -hmm. if you have quality businesses in the area, you attract more quality businesses. I mean, so commercial real estate isn't dead. It depends on what you're talking about in commercial real estate. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'm taking your word for it because I, yeah. I know you get busy in it. Hey, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when it came, I, I, t I think I told you off camera. Yeah. When I first got my license, I'm like, yo, I'm going to be a commercial broker. I was hearing about the commission checks. Oh, yeah. Then someone was like, yo, bro, you might not get paid for like a year. You it might. usually take like a, a, a good year for a deal to close. I it like, depends. Let me pump my brakes on that a little bit. That, so the hard thing about commercial is I always tell people, go into this ready to have a leeway. Like, you mm -hmm. don't need that 90 days from your residential check. You need more like six months. Like, if you have six months to a year of living comfortably and marketing dollars and money to put into your everyday, you're good in commercial. So you need like... You, so, yeah, you need oh, a year. Okay. <laughs> so I, I kind of just said you need a year. <laughs> so you need a year. But if you, let's say, if you started out in residential mm -hmm. and you start to, you know, dibble and dabble, do your few leases, you could easily get into commercial full time. I was going to ask you about that. Do you think Do you think a residential agent can do both and be successful? Can you be a residential so agent there was and a commercial a, agent? There was a period of time I did do both. Okay. So um, I like luxury real estate, so I'm never going to turn away a 4 or $5 million buyer. Mm -hmm. That's that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but do I promote it? Absolutely not. Like mm -hmm. My branding is all about commercial. It's really what I love. But have I negotiated deals like that? Yes. Have I walked up six floor walk ups showing residential apartments, rentals? And 
I did that when I first started in the business. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> I know that's Ever right. in my life. <laughs> so for me, a residential agent can absolutely get into the business, but not a residential agent that's working full-time somewhere else. Mm. Not a residential okay. agent that's not a nine-to-five agent. Like, you got to be in this game. Can you, because you know a lot of agents, when they're doing residential, they dibble. They're part-time, they mm -hmm. got a full-time job and do that. Yeah. Can you be a, a commercial broker and do the same thing? If you want to make $5 and maybe here and maybe there. Because, again, what is this business? This business is about being present. That's a fact. Right? And That's if you're fact. not present, people can't depend on you. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to, like, they, people just don't depend on you. Yeah. So, for me, I'm a full-time agent, and which has changed my business, right? So, okay. the period of the time when I was part-time, I really worked with my clients. So I worked with a lot of medical clients and I was helping them grow their businesses. So they needed additional space. I'd negotiate the deals, all this mm -hmm. kind of things. But now I'm like, I, this, is my, this is my bread and butter and this is everything that I'm doing. So mm -hmm. people depend on me to know what's happening in the market, know where the opportunities are and communicate that to them. You can't do that working at somebody else's shop eight hours of the day. Yeah, yeah that's true. So it's hard. I have a question, right? Okay. So, commercial real estate. Let's let's let's, let's just be. We, can we be candid? We can be candid. Let's right? go. <laughs> let's, let's address the the thing in the room. Yeah. You're, you're black. You're a sister. You're in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. How the hell is that going? It's amazing. Okay. Because I was raised by a mother and father who told me I could do whatever the hell I wanted to do. No, that's right. And I literally just had to just try. Mm. And so for me, I think the biggest thing about me is I'm not afraid to be in a room that I don't look like nobody else. Mm. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm a network where I'm comfortable. Be uncomfortable. And that's the only way. Like, I'm working on a biggest deal of my life. $120 million deal. Ooh. 34th Street. Mm. So, oh, like, if that, when, not if, <laughs> when, when that yeah, deal closes, that transforms my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't meet those people by... Going to the places that I'm comfortable, hanging out with the people that I'm comfortable. I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. So you like the let's be clear. Like you said, commercial real estate is a is a is a it's like a fraternity. Yes, yes, ma'am. And I am a woman mm -hmm. and I am a woman of color. I'm an immigrant. <laughs> I moved here. Like so like I am a lot of what they don't have. Mm -hmm. So it actually sometimes piques people's interests. Mm, okay. Oh, you're a commercial agent. Okay. So sometimes you get like the test, right? Yeah. You, ever, you ever walk into a listing appointment and they're like quizzing you? Yes, yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but then after that, they're like, oh, you know your shit, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, you got to be prepared. You got to be knowledgeable. You got to be personable. And after, after you get through those initial barriers, once people trust you, the world is small. So they tell mm -hmm. their friends. So one of my top, top clients... I've done deals in the last three years with three of their partners. So they have their own fund. Uh -huh. And then under their fund, they purchase properties with other fund, like other funds or other affiliates or uh -huh. partners, right? So they might raise money and buy properties with X um, property owner in Upper West Side. And because they're buying that asset through this partnership, that's a whole nother separate fund. That's mm. a whole nother separate entity. So then if I do a good job here, now this person might call me. So that's kind of how my business has grown because again, it's a small world. Mm -hmm. But when they experience you a certain way and they know you know what you're doing, if you're a hustler and you're not gonna just sit there and 
wait for opportunity to succumb, yeah. you can make money. When it comes to learning about commercial real mm -hmm. estate, I feel like there's not a lot of classes out there. Like you don't see a lot of like continuing ed. I've never seen though. And I think it's intentional, right? I think it is. I much. think, you know, it's like, was it easy for a person of color to buy 50, 60 years ago? Hmm. No. So it's an intentionally designed to be a business where people almost feel like they can't get it. Mm. So when, when we grow when we were raised, we were like, oh, buy your first house. Nobody said buy your first asset or your first multifamily. Mm -hmm. And so commercial real estate you can get lending for commercial real estate almost as easily in some cases as a residential product. Okay. So if someone someone calls you today, <coughs> excuse me. No problem. Someone calls you today and they're like, Cynthia, I see you on I see you out here getting busy. <laughs> trying. Sister. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I want to buy a commercial building. Okay. What what should they have set in front of them before when they when they make an initial call? Okay. So you want to buy a commercial building. The first question is how I'm big. I'm gonna flip it before you answer okay, that. Go ahead. You want, it's a two it's a two part question. Okay. For to purchase and to lease. Okay. So the easy part is to lease a commercial, let's say a retail space, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to open up the next hot hookah spot in you heard about Lower Manhattan. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm all about any business that wants to hustle and make money, I'm here for it. So you wanna open the next hot spot. Let's say you've never opened this business before. So you're going to be looked at a little bit more critically than the person who had two bodegas and a restaurant, mm -hmm. right? So the first thing you need to do is have some capital. Like, uh -huh. just don't show up at a landlord's office and it's like, I'm going to lease this space and I got my, my rent. <laughs> money <laughs> just my home rent money i don't have that list up like ideally you have a little a business plan um that gives your concept because okay. that that storytelling that you're going to put in your business plan about what you want to build is really going to sell the owner then you have capital so i would say if you're leasing in brooklyn or queens or some of the outer boroughs or the bronx you may have a little bit easier ideally if you're coming into manhattan you want to come Correct. Okay. So most of the new businesses, I would say, have at least one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand in, okay. in cash, liquid assets. Okay. Um, whether that's through multiple partners, like I've done some interesting deals where um, <clears throat> it was a bodega, and they want they've had multiple locations, but the way a lot of these businesses are family businesses. Mm -hmm. So this person got this money, this oh, person got money, they're pulling the money from multiple places. So what, what the way I was able to do it is that my owners trust me. If I present a deal, if I present a qualified um, tenant in my perspective, they'll trust me because okay. they know I'm not gonna put anything. So that's the second thing is like, you need to actually have representation. Because a lot of people, they'll tell you when they experience calling another broker, mm -hmm. hey, I saw your space for lease, Sometimes these brokers are going to give you the runaround, especially really? when you say you're a new business. Oh. So a lot of times when it's broker-to-broker, -broker, it costs you nothing in, in commercial leasing to have a broker. So okay. It's just like residential. It costs you, I mean, not like residential. Like if you're leasing an apartment in residential, sometimes you pay a fee. Mm -hmm. If you're leasing a place in commercial, you the do landlord, not pay a The fee. landlord pays? Landlord pays okay. their commission schedule. So um, a lot of times you, you're not you're not helping yourself by going in by yourself. Mm. And for me as your broker, if, I, if I'm presenting it a certain way, if I'm packaging it a certain way, if I'm speaking their language, they won't even ask you questions. I've had deals go through and they did not have to show a single piece of paper. Really? 
maybe a bank statement, no credit checks, but those were because my of my credibility mm -hmm. in the business and my credibility to the other agent. Okay. Um, so that's if you're leasing a space. Obviously, if you're looking to buy a space, you, you should be pre-approved. Ideally, you're going to go and go, whether it's a no-doc loan because you're starting and you want to um, build your first asset and maybe you're only doing a three or four unit. You know, mm -hmm. you're not maybe going to the five, six, you know, mixed-use property. So you want to have lending in place. So you can talk to your broker, find out what the best lending partner is that they like, and then from there we start the conversation about what kind of asset you want to buy, where you want to buy it, and things like that. Nice. Okay. Mm -hmm. that's good perspective. That's yeah, good but that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to dig into any of those sides, like I, I can get into that. that. Nah, we all gonna, I want to dig into the leasing part a little bit. Okay. So I'm, I've always been curious, do commercial agents get upset when residential agents do leasing? Only when they kill my money, <laughs> honestly. No, like I'm going to tell you this real, real. Okay, in a, yeah. commercial, in a residential lease, I've been in the business for a while. So I was in the time when it was lucky. We got 15% easy mm -hmm. and sometimes, like no, we got 15 the average is 15, right? It's, some people do 10, some do 15. So, so some people do 12%, yeah. I think, was like the, yeah. the base, and then 15%. At one point in my beginning, of my, I got 17% fee, right? Wow, okay. So that's in residential, right? Yeah. When you're in commercial, it's not a percent fee. It's a schedule. Mm. If I'm going to lease someone for 20 years, I want to check off of every single year they're in that talk building. That talk. Hold no, on, bring that back. Let's go. Bring, go. bring like, that back. Like, bring that back. Because I've always been curious about that. Yes. Because I know residential Resi agents do not know agents that. mess will, up the check. Yeah, that's <laughs> they a fact. Do. If the rent is five thousand dollars. They're splitting. They like, oh, we just do a one month fee. <laughs> one person literally said, oh, I was just gonna do a one month fee. I was like, for what? <laughs> no, seriously. Okay. So it's a commission schedule is generally. It, if so you have an exclusive. So every year, mm -hmm. so usually if you're lucky, it's a six, five, four and a half, three and a half, three, 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 two and a half, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You have a schedule of what percentage you get every year up to 20 years, right? Okay. And so ideally when I'm doing an exclusive, I'm negotiating the most upfront, right? Mm -hmm. But it should be a commensal schedule that also includes the, um, the increase. Okay. So generally on a commercial lease, there's an average of a 3% increase mm -hmm. every year in your per rent. Year? Yeah. Okay. So my commission schedule has an Excel chart, and I'm going to put the 3% increases. So every year I'm going to get my percentage off of the actual rent that year, mm. less any concession. So let's say if my landlord gives five months free or three months free, I take that off the top, okay. or I split it, average it through all the years, and I take it out. But still... Like that's a big difference that is in a, a big check. Difference. Yeah. yeah, because if you're getting a percentage of every year, and if you're a commercial agent, I'm gonna talk to the. If you're a commercial <laughs> agent and you are negotiating a deal or a, an agreement, please don't have it be six different payments over <laughs> six years. That is so <laughs> like so. Yes, in the very very premium markets, like we're talking Madison Avenue, mm -hmm. and we're talking about leasing out the new Louis Vuitton store. Yes, your commission schedule is going to be spread out. Okay. But generally, as a matter of general standard, if a regular space, you try to make sure your commission schedule is fifty percent up front, fifty percent after concessions. Mm. So that could be if they gave two months free. 50% after when the first month's rent is paid within the term. 
but a lot of people mess that up, and then yeah. they just never see their money. So it sounds like you're telling me residential should probably stay away from commercial. No, I actually learn, want more people the in the business. I think okay. when you have more people in the business, you have more competition, and a lot of this antiquated behavior that happens will go away. But I want people who are real agents. Like, yeah. I don't want a person who's not really trying to be in this business, mm. just trying to waste time. Yeah. No, that's a fact, that's a fact. <laughs> oh, so you, you're basically saying that you would like to see more people in the business. Yeah, I think commercial real estate, you were sharing that there's not a lot of education around it. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, so yeah, like, I think it's important to invest in learning. Okay. In real estate, period. So for me, I went to NYU um, and I did a lot of continuing education courses. So whether that was retail leasing specialty programs, investment sales, or property, um, just how to evaluate, evaluate mm -hmm. how to value a property. Um, those things help me to understand. So commercial real estate is also a completely different language. Like yes. we speak in different terms. Mm -hmm. So as a residential agent, I think it's also important if you're getting into the game fresh, you should have a mentor. You should have someone that's kind of talking to you because you're not going to necessarily know I everything. I feel like commercial agents are hard to get mentorship from because I feel like they hold everything. Like they don't like to, to give any game like that. So there, I would say there is a lot of, com in commercial, there are a lot of kind of independent people. Like they, they want to rock, they want to roll by themselves. Okay. Um, the teams are at the bigger firms because the structure in these bigger firms is you have a junior analyst, you have a senior analyst, then you mm. have the the managing broker and then you know mm. so you have so many layers so the unfortunate part in the bigger firms is you don't really learn the business you learn how to do one or two parts of the business mm -hmm. so you can never kind of see the whole picture yeah. you know so I think it's important to have a mentor in 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 this business that can teach you a little bit more like how do you write an LOI what is an LOI well, like, yeah, you know like um, how do you how do you negotiate your like we were talking about commission schedules mm -hmm. how do you negotiate your commission schedule because landlords can put all kind of crazy stuff in there. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's like a contract okay and commercial in commercial there are some standard forms of a, um, a listing agreement but it's really the wild wild west like really? they can put whatever they want they can say if this tenant defaults on one month's rent I want my commission back really Oh, I had a, I had an owner that tried to do that, and I was like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, like I've had an owner essentially try to say, hey, um, we don't want to pay you until after this land, these tenants pay the rent. I'm like, so you want me to take the risk mm. on your tenant paying yeah. the rent on time mm -hmm. for an indefinite period? That's not realistic. But again, people try to, do, people are human, right? So mm -hmm. like people want to do as much that's in their favor. So depending on the, like there are certain owners I just won't deal with. Like if they don't want to give you an exclusive, they want you to market their property. Yeah, no, just <laughs> go somewhere else. <laughs> it's just not worth my time, right? right? And if you time value your time, time and you you know what you're bringing to the table, you're giving up money. When it comes to the, the commission schedule, mm -hmm. is that something, it's, everything's a paper, on paper, right? So it's a, it's a contract. Yeah. How do, you, how do you keep track of it um, from your end of it? Like, as far as when I'm time when, to get paid? When it's time to get paid, when it's time to get that green. You... Well, if you like money, like me, yeah. I like money. It's easy. <laughs> so, um, well, within my system, I 
have obviously the first invoice. So you send invoices. So the first invoice goes out at lease signing mm -hmm. or you get paid at the lease table. Very rarely do you get paid at the table unless you really know this owner. Um, but you send out the, uh, as soon as the leases are signed and executed on both sides, you're sending out your invoice. Generally, then you know whether or not there's a concession on the property. Okay. So if there's a concession, let's say a concession would be free time, whatever. So three months free, then at that th third month, I'm sending my next invoice mm -hmm. because that's when I'm due to be paid. Or the commission schedule says, like, you'll be get paid. So one commission schedule was I'll get paid at execution the second month the tenant pays rent, and then the sixth month the tenant pays rent. Okay. That's the longest commission schedule I've accepted. Okay. But it was a bigger deal, so, you know, it's okay to wait a little bit. Yeah. But that you kind of like, it kind of is like balancing your checkbook and helping you <laughs> not spend all your money right away kind yeah. of thing. But, yeah, no. So, yeah, no, if you're an agent... You know to get your your CDA before closing. You you'll notice in your invoice if you if somebody owes you money. Okay, all right. Listen, that's good to know. I'm just trying to pick up the game. So next time somebody call me for a, a, yep. a commercial lease, yeah. If I don't call you to help me out, for, hey. of course. We could partner. Yeah, I'm I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Absolutely. You have a huge development, and I'm gonna I don't want to say the address wrong, mm -hmm. but we were talking about it earlier. It's above the um the, the dry cleaners. Yes. So 57 4th Avenue yeah. is a development site that we're currently representing. Um, it is... I'm curious, are you sell, selling the air rights? So, no, we're selling the whole land. So oh, we're selling okay. the land. So the cleaners is the structure on the land, but anything can be done with it. Mm. So the... Um, and this is interesting. This is why I tell people to network outside of their community, right? Okay. The way I got this deal is when COVID happens... I was like, so what am I going to do? I love to go out. I'm a person, I like to go outside. I like to sit at the bar. I want to meet the person next to me. I want to, like, that's mm -hmm. my thing. So when COVID happened, I'm like, wow, that all got taken away. Like, I'm not going to be able to network. So I started networking online. Whether it was LinkedIn, I joined the BNI group, which is Business Networking International. We have meetings 645 in the morning every Tuesday. 645 a.m.? A.m. Okay. Every Tuesday, in person. No, oh, it's in person. In person. Okay. It was in person, but it's been partially hybrid Zoom and in person now. But um, in that group, I was able to meet some some dope people that I would have never just ran into mm -hmm. because of my career. So the thing, the structure with this networking group is that there's a profession from every different industry, right? Okay. So I'm the only commercial investment sales specialist in the group. There's a commercial retail leasing guy, and again, we could collaborate and mm -hmm. things like that. But one of the attorneys in the group has, over time, got to know me, got to see some of the stuff I've done, got to experience me, gave me this listing, gave me the referral for this listing. Nice. And I was able to convince them that I was the person to sell their lot. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, no, the opportunity there is pretty dope. Astor Place, if you guys know Astor Place, there's, not, there's nothing else. There's nothing mm. else that you can build there. Wegmans is coming across the street, 87,000 square feet of retail, wow. where they're about to have not just a premium grocery store, a food hall, all kind of like, like similar to Moynihan, um, the new Penn Station where they have all the little uh -huh. nice like mm -hmm. things. Same thing's going down down there. You obviously have NYU down there. So it's a great site for a developer to put something that's going to be Beautiful as well as whatever we need for the next 10, 20 years. It, I, I saw it. I'm like, wow, like this is this looks like crazy. Yeah. The spot looks crazy. It's dope. 
how do you how do you find clients for that type of stuff? So, I call like I call myself a marketer first, a uh -huh. broker second, right? So un so some residential, I mean, bro so, so some commercial agents would just put this on the MLS, right? They're mm -hmm. gonna put it on CoStar, Crexy, and some of these other avenues, and they're gonna wait to get a phone call. Mm -hmm. Cool, you can do that. It's on those MLSs. For me, I wanted to do some marketing. I wanted to do some branding, and I wanted to get in the boxes of every developer that had built below 14th Street. Mm. So I got the list of names. I got on their phones. I dropped it in their email. We did a comprehensive LinkedIn campaign where every top broker in New York City got a DM from me, got a message, connected with me, mm. and we've had multiple offers. Nice. We still have a gap in pricing. <laughs> it's coming, but it's we coming. have had multiple offers and crazy interest in the property because of the position. It's just a matter of, you know, what's the thing that makes sense? What are, is the math? Commercial real estate is about math, right? Okay. And the math has to make sense from the development perspective or if you're just going to buy it and even potentially sell the air rights and mm -hmm. relet it out or whatever. So you come with all, like you said, the math is important. So you, when you're coming with these offers and things of that nature, mm -hmm. you're putting, you're laying all of this stuff We're out. We're structuring it together. So the cool thing is with this asset, it's a development opportunity. So mm -hmm. most of these guys have their in-house team. I don't need to do the math with them. They have their own math, right? Okay. So they're going to give me a number that's below the number that I want <laughs> because they've created that. But my job is to bridge the gap, right? Mm -hmm. So I've gotten offers well before, below ask, but in well, actually one of my top buyers that I believe will be the one that will close this deal. Um, we started at a completely different number, but I've negotiated. I've, you know, I've had conversations. We sp we spoke earlier today. We speak once a week mm. because I want to build a relationship with that person so they understand that, you know, this is something that they want. Hey, I'm working on on my side to make sure my clients understand what you're what you're saying and what you're bringing to the table. I'm working on your side to say, well, you got to come up a little bit yeah. more because we still have a gap. And you think it's going to happen with that? Or I'm going to the buildings department like I did this week to get the plans. I saw that. I saw that. So give us a little info on that. Why'd you go to the building department? Uh, New York City is an amazing city with a lot of old, old, <laughs> old records. So with this property, it was built in 1987, and mm. there are no digital copies of the 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 there's no digital copies of the plans okay. there's no digital copies of the the filings so in order to do that you have to make an appointment and request the record and then go down to the department of buildings to view them so what do they give you they give you these little microfilms where you have to use a little microfilm viewer oh i've seen those before yes or you got to pay big bucks for someone to digitize them for you mm. per slide you're paying per slide per slide okay um and again, the I got 48 slides with six pictures each slide. Mm. Do the math. They're mm -hmm. charging you $5.99 per slide. Per slide. It gets up there. Yeah. But that's a part of the job, right? Okay. You want to sell this building? You want this commission? You're going to go above and beyond. Mm. So I do this, this deal, whatever deal. If my client says, hey, I really want to buy this asset. I want to see what it can be. I want to see what um, pre was previously approved on this lot. I'm gonna go and get it mm. because that's my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you always see like these shows, like and it just dawned on me just now. Yeah. You always see these shows like million dollar listing and yeah. all this stuff, but they never talk about the commercials. Like I that. wish they had million dollar but, commercial broker. Commercials, that's what. The, Let's go. The big money. It. You know what? Um, 
a lot of the commercial um, the commercial brokers in this industry are really they're I would say 80% are corporate nine to five guys. Okay. So they want to go to work and they want to go home. They're not looking for publicity. They're not looking to be on social media. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're a new wave yes. of realtors, right? We're a new wave of people that understand the value of community online. Mm -hmm. And so business is done differently. Like I have potentially cannabis companies that I'm working with and that's not a traditional market that was somebody was working with five, ten years ago mm -hmm. because of the you know legalization of cannabis. So the business is different. Yeah. So now the brokers look different. So I would say some of these guys, they're now working on their own social media. I'm seeing a <laughs> lot sure of the are. top guys who've been in this. Because, again, everybody talks about, I've been in this business 40, 50 years. Okay, that's nice. You got 10 followers. <laughs> You know, not that that means you make money, yeah. but like again, like their Rolodex is crazy. I can imagine they know every owner in the city, and I want to be that person. Yeah. But I also want to bridge the gap of the the new the, the new owners that are coming up, mm -hmm. the new generation of property owners and buyers. Yeah, that's where I think I can also fill some gaps. Because the wave I'll is still happening. work with the other guys. Yeah, exactly. Because the wave is happening. We, it we is. see it. We see it, it happening. A lot of young people are getting more into these buying these properties, buying these buildings, and that's why I was I was curious. To, to know what they would need coming up front, like, yeah. you know, come with, you, come with everything. Hey, bring your crypto. Like, show your crypto. Um, have you have you done any deals where they No, I have not. But there's actually, there's, there's a, um, a broker in New York City who was selling one of his assets as an NFT. Like, one of the assets was selling as an right before the market tanked. Yeah. But, yeah, he was listed, his property was listed as an NFT. Yeah. And you would buy the NFT, which was the value of the property. I feel like it was like, I don't know, like 40, 30, 20, 30 million. I don't know. But you would buy the property. You could buy it in crypto. But there's a lot of buying happening in crypto. Again, mm -hmm. I haven't run across those deals. Um, but... I'm down. Hey, you got crypto? You want to buy something? Come on, let's go. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I did. Because, I mean, think about it. There's a lot of, um, even my experience, there's a lot of um, millionaires mm -hmm. that have come through that vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And they just were smart enough to buy it early. And now they're kind of sitting on some of that, even if the even if the crypto goes down, they mm -hmm. still are yeah, so especially far ahead. Especially so early. Yes, yeah, so they're so far ahead of the curve that yeah. they have assets. So I know some that have invested in businesses, okay. have started their own consulting firms. It's just a matter of what they want to do with their money. How did you um, How did you bounce back after the pandemic? Because that's when commercial was like at a standstill for a little bit, right? Yes and no. no. I was busy. Really? So I was showing with masks, gloves, and like 10 feet <laughs> distance, <laughs> probably, let's say we, we had the lockdown in March, mm -hmm. I was showing it definitely by May. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. I didn't know it was back. Oh, back no. I, like I had deals. I had deals that we my clients still wanted to get in. Oh, wow. So, okay. I mean, with commercial, so here's the thing. The pandemic helped and hurt some industries, right? Mm -hmm. The restaurant industry, if you owned a restaurant and you were doing well, outdoor dining oh, they killed during the blew pandemic. your yeah. business out of the they water. Killed. Your footprint doubled yeah. overnight. Yeah. 
So when yes, when you couldn't have anybody sitting inside, it was fine. But now every business is like, okay, what's the outdoor? What what percentage could be outdoor? Oh, is, it, is that a bus stop? Oh, I don't want that because mm. I can't do outdoor dining in front. Uh -huh. So think about it. that's transformed New York City landscape. Yeah. So there are blocks now that I'm seeing. I'm in the Upper East Side. Third Avenue used to be dry. Now I'm seeing all these little restaurants coming mm. in. Why? There's definitely more opportunity. And now the development has started. Now now things are slowing down a little bit because of what's happening economically mm -hmm. and interest rates being high, which affects construction, um, lending, and things like that. So, yeah, now things are slowing down, but give it 12 to 16 months. Yeah, this is a cycle. Yeah. We're going to go up and down. Yeah. But the real investors are never not buying. Oh, yeah. They, they like They're open. always buying. Yeah, they My like clients open. are like, hey, you got something good? Hit me up. <laughs> I'm serious. What areas are, um, what's the hot spots right now? <clears throat> Personally, I think if you are looking to get into the market at a reasonable cost, but you have a little bit of run room, meaning that you can hold something for three to six years, mm -hmm. buy anywhere between 96th Street and 125th Street east of Park Avenue. East of Park Avenue. Yeah, in Manhattan. Okay. Okay. Um, what's going to happen there? Second Avenue Subway extension. Mm -hmm. They funded the extension of the Second Avenue Subway in 2020, which means give it three to five years before the tunnels are truly completed and it's opening. So mm. let's say by 2026, that new subway, look at what's happened if, you, if you're familiar with the Upper East Side or Yorkville. Yorkville was a nice, quiet neighborhood that has blown up yeah. because of that Avenue subway, the, the Q train coming from 63rd Street all the way to 96th Street. Mm. So much development. Extel Development, one of the largest developers in New York City, mm -hmm. is building two huge residential towers on 86th and 1st Avenue. 86. People don't even know yet. Yeah. When you see that go up, that whole neighborhood, I mean, most maybe an average of four or 500 units wow. coming to the area. Okay. So once that's built, that changes that area. Yeah. But again, when did Excel start buying that asset? They didn't start buying two weeks ago, two years ago. Mm -hmm. they, they, were, they were looking at that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So now, you may not know it. You might be looking at East Harlem and be like, oh, East Harlem? Oh, it's a little too far east. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You, you don't want to go east. My clients will. <laughs> and, you know, that's how you have to think. Yeah. If you want to succeed in commercial real estate, don't look at things for what's happening now. Look at my haven. In the Bronx. Yeah. Did anybody think? Yeah. Like I don't I do a lot of deals in like Riverdale and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I haven't even really touched my haven. But I know a story of a friend who Now family, my haven is that's considered like South Bronx. Right? Yeah, that's South like, Bronx, right across the water. Right across the water, yep. Premium luxury rentals and condos completely developed. Mm -hmm. I had a client when I was in consulting who had a warehouse over there. He mm. was a manufacturing, clothing manufacturing. The lease expired. They wanted him out. Mm. Why? They mm. were selling. Yep. They were selling that asset so that they could build these high rises. Mm. But again, that was eight, nine years ago. So don't think about what, if you want to yeah. make money in this business, you got to think about what's coming. What's coming, yeah. Now, there's other neighborhoods, obviously. We all know, we see what's happened in Clinton Hill, Bed-Stuy, you know, mm -hmm. Downtown Brooklyn, Park Slope, like look how you look that landscape. Once yeah. Barclay Center, I used to live in downtown Brooklyn. I used to live four blocks away from Barclay mm -hmm. Center. Once Barclay Center came in, 
I already knew what was happening what was over happen. there. I was telling um, Brendan, um, telling me before mm -hmm. on our way here that down there years ago, they were like giving away those brown What? <laughs> yes. They were trying to give them away at least. Everybody was like, no, nah, I'm not touching it, not touching it. And the Barclay Many, came many multifamily owners. And that's the other thing I want to kind of, a part of my mission is also the reason I talk about air rights on my platform, the reason I talk about zoning is because I want to educate I want you to our families. So well, I want to educate our families that own these assets and mm -hmm. these neighborhoods nobody was looking at. And then they sell them for $20,000, $40,000 under what they could have sold them or millions of dollars under because they don't know the value of yeah. what they really have. They just know, oh, this $700,000 check looks good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once you buy your house in Florida for three hundred, four hundred now, half, half more, yeah. and you pay your taxes, mm -hmm. you can't live off of that. Yeah. So we don't understand. So I'd love to educate East Harlem and some of those families that still own those multifamilies, still own those development opportunities. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to sell it? Sell it as, sell it as an assemblage. Now get, Break it down for us. So an assemblage would be um, putting together multiple assets, whether it's through a formal agreement of with all of the owners, or through you know through you going to each of the owners okay. and assembling a package. So it could be six buildings, corner, two other buildings, two other lots. And if you sell them together, a lot of times you can get a better price because you're not fighting with each other, mm, right? Mm. But some communities don't work together course, <laughs> well. So, um, and it's also hard, like you don't want your asset to be tied to someone else. But mm. sometimes if you tie them together, you get a much better deal. You get more, um, it makes sense. Because then there's more once, air rights available yeah. and then there's more opportunity to develop. Can you sell a property with the anticipation of air rights? Like if, if someone has a, has a multifamily. Yeah. Can you sell it stating like this air rights mm -hmm. available and I'm going to put a dollar amount on that air right? Yeah. So okay. New York State has a, and New York City has a zoning map mm -hmm. and they have air rights, like predetermined air rights in Manhattan specifically, they and as well as in the boroughs, they have predetermined air rights per building. Mm -hmm. You can Google it, go online, and you can find out how many additional air rights you may have. So if you have a four family property, but mm -hmm. it's a mostly residential block, you may not have a lot of air rights available to you to develop. But like, look at what happened in downtown Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So there were these commercial assets and commercial structures that had multiple commercial structures, but there were a lot of air rights in the area. So these owners went through and bought and bought and bought some of these assets. And then what they did, they were able to assemble the total air rights available in that lot mm. and build this house. And then they sometimes went to the city and got variances, which is, hey, I want to go outside of the predetermined mm -hmm. zoning and air rights. And that's how they're building higher. Um, wow. So it's, it's a math game, but it's also a political game, right? Okay. Who do you know? Does your architect know how to present this? Do you have the right, um, what can you leverage? So a lot of times it comes to percentage of what we call inclusionary mm -hmm. housing. So that's where you're getting the affordable housing number. Okay. So a project that has a percentage of inclusionary, which is a kind of interesting thing to talk about where in some inclusionary projects in New York City, you can make 250,000 as an individual and have low income really? housing. 
or affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the Barclays Center development, there you know there were the rentals that they built around the Barclays mm-hmm. Center. That was part of the package. A part of that, them developing there, they had to include, I think, 20 to 30% of inclusionary. Yeah. But the rentals, their package was like, oh, somebody who makes $250,000 could qualify (laughs) for this because... It was tough to get on that list. Yeah. It was tough to get on that list. The lottery system is crazy in New York City. (laughs) Like you said, it's political. (laughs) It's a political game. Um, I could talk to you about this like literally all day, like, all day long. I've been so intrigued with, um, with commercial real estate. Oh wow! So, well, come over like I'm there's tempted. not too late. You told me I gotta save up a year. I gotta save up a year. You hustling? <laughs> I'm hustling. I mean, but I'm you're hustling. in the business, right? So yeah. do a lease here and there. Mm-hmm. See the experience. See the check. You're not gonna be talking about. Do you like the southern exposure <laughs> of this apartment? Do you like the way the bathroom? And the crown molding looks. <laughs> I, as an agent, that wasn't my thing. It's not my thing either. When I show homes now, I don't do that. Yeah. It's, so that wasn't my thing. Yeah. I really enjoyed like, oh, a business is about to open this dope concept mm-hmm. here, or a business is about to make money off of building this. Yeah. That to me was like, whoo, let's go. That was my dream. I, I had a notebook at one point that uh-huh. I wanted to teach people how to start their business. Develop a business plan, purchase it. Like that was my when that's, I first. So that's first, a first bit of my it. background. Like yeah. I ran a consulting company for nine years, and I helped businesses start and grow. That's so that's why I love working with businesses. I love working with any type of business. And to me, entrepreneurship is the only way mm-hmm. to financial freedom. Really, yeah. like yeah. nobody can pay you as much as you can pay you. That's a fact. So, like it plays into real estate. Real estate is just a vehicle to that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Man, this is this is dope. This is dope. <laughs> this is so dope. So dope. Listen, this um, we probably have to do like a part two. Sometime. Yeah, this let's is, do this it. Is this is I can talk to you forever. I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Friday. I don't want to keep you too. Yeah, late. no. Um, so this is how I've been into my podcast. Okay. Like, right. I'm an '80s baby. Okay. Hip hop. Me me. too. I'm an '80s baby. Yeah. Hip hop is my thing. Okay. I, I always say like hip hop has its own like love language, right? Okay. We can hear a record, it puts us in this, it puts us somewhere. Wow. If you could think of a record, an artist, anything Ooh. that defines Cynthia, like this is the soundtrack to who I am. This is what made me the hustler I am, the 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 go getter. What would it be? I can only go to Hove. What is going on? I can only go to Hove. Like, come on, like uh, his whole is- catalog. <laughs> I'm out of all these podcasts, I think he, I don't even know the number anymore. Because you know what? He's someone who's transformed his life. Yes. And you, you've able to, you've been able to see the whole story. Mm-hmm. Some of these rappers are amazing. Like, I'm a Meek fan. I grew up mm-hmm. outside of Philly, so okay. put some Meek on Young and bull, you huh? might see me act a fool. <laughs> but, like, I, I, you've, seen the, you've seen the grimy. Mm. You've seen the grimy. You saw the grimy. I mean, his lyrics, like his lyrical genius is amazing. Like he's, the fact that he does not write is incredible. (laughs) And then you just got the classics though. Like, Mm -hmm. so if I'm thinking of an era, I'm thinking of some of the dope experiences I had in my 20s. And I know Ho was on the, I know Ho was out there. Yeah. Blasting. <laughs> he's the goat, man. That's the yeah, Billy Goat. That's no, the Billy Goat. Yeah. I'm a whole fan, but I'm like, yo, B, he's killing his. I mean, I know right you're from Queens, so I'm you might say Nas. And... I see a Jones. That's my yeah, guy. Yeah, no, I, I see a Jones, my guy. I'm, just... a, I'm a whole, I'm a whole guy. Though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah a whole guy no. For sure. 
Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So we know home guy. You got another another check. Home. <laughs> How can they get in touch with you? Instagram, LinkedIn. My phone number is online if you want to find it. <laughs> Just Google me. <laughs> but send Realty almost on every platform. And I run the virtual so Realty group. So you can see us on our page or there. But hit us up. Get in our DMs. There you go. There you go. If you look for some commercial property, call my girl. She's super dope. Thank you. She's going to be mentoring me soon because I'm coming on. Let's go. I want you to do commercial. <laughs> Just get one deal and then you'll be like, I ain't doing this thing. no more. No, y'all took six months to pay me. <laughs> I might be there soon. But we are out of here. Listen, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave a comment. I know you're going to leave a lot of comments on this one as well as though. <laughs> we'll see you soon. This one, We're going to do a part two soon. Okay, let's All go. Right, we out of here. Thank Peace. you. <laughs> Vivian, that was